So we are in a series called Savior. Uh, we are looking at the, uh, the book of Luke. So today we are in chapter 3, um, reading from verse, um, from verse 10 to 20. My do? Reading from verse 10 to 20. If you have already opened your Bible, let's read together. And the crowd asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, Whosoever has two tunics is to share with him who has nine. And whoever has food is to do likewise. And tax collectors also came to, to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. And, and the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of, um, of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing um, fork is in his hands. And to clear his threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his bin. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod, right, uh, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you for your patience. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning such a wonderful time that we can come together, especially in this level too, that we can see more brothers and sisters in your presence, Lord God. I pray that you'll bless um, as we um, look at your word and just explain to us. I pray, Lord God, that you will really speak to, to me, to my brothers and sisters this morning, that um, you won't go back empty, Lord God, but you will fill us afresh. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, Gareth helped us just to see from the beginning of this chapter in verse 1 to verse 9, um, he was just talking about um, John baptism and the message of, of John that he was really proclaiming and called people for repentance. I'm sure you can still remember how Gareth divided the word repentance, so that he can help us to, to understand what his true repentance looked like. 
You know, I really appreciated that because repentance is often misunderstood as if like kind of feeling sorry about one sin. You know, the, the notion is that if a person feels sorry enough and maybe keep repeating to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's a repentance. But what does the New Testament teach us? New Testament speak of godly sorry that leads to personal repentance. The Bibles also talk about the worldly sorrow. When we look at the godly sorrow and, 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 and worldly sorrow, there is a difference there which shows that it's coming from the heart. It's, when, when we're talking about godly sorrow, it's something that's coming from the heart. It's a genuine repentance when you are ready to turn away from sin. But godly sorrow will always show itself by being defensive about your sin and attempting to justify and explain it to make it so that it can look good. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow is the kind of sorrow that God wants. He wants us to experience the godly sorrow that leads away from sin and results in salvation. And in that kind of sorrow, there is no regret that comes from it. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. So I was so excited that today we're talking about this topic, being baptized in Holy Spirit. Baptized with Holy Spirit. So because these days we often think that being baptized in Holy Spirit is just a once-off experience. Um, so I was just looking at the way um, when we're talking about the, uh, the water baptism. Water baptism is a public demonstration of what has already happened. Water doesn't save anyone. But when someone is being immersed in water, it's just explaining that I gave my life to Jesus, I repented for my sin, and now I am following Jesus for the rest of my life. And when you're talking about the word baptized, means to be immersed, to be soaked in, to be fully wet, and to be, it's like there's nothing left of yourself. You get under the water. So when you talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means your life being controlled and covered by the Holy Spirit, you're no more doing your own will, but you're doing the, doing the will of God with your life. So today as we're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I know some of us are expecting that I'm going to talk about the the kind of outside um, uh, uh, demonstration or experiences that people they always think about. But I want you to take you to this journey and say, from our salvation, it was the work of the Holy Spirit that convicted us that we can be able to, to see Jesus as who he is, that our eyes will be open and be able to understand and accept him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. So that's, that is where the power of the Holy Spirit is at work already in your life. 
And also it doesn't end there in our repentance. It doesn't work end there in our salvation and repentance, but it continues with our sanctification as well. And also going to the end where God is empowering us for the work um, of his ministry. So I want us to take, uh, to take that journey this morning as we just look at this book of Luke chapter, chapter 3. You know, because God sent his spirit to, to transform us and to make us more like Jesus. He knew that we needed help. We couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't live the righteous life in our own strength, in our own wisdom. Without God's help, we were unable to live the kind of life that God desires for you and for me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you, as John 14 verse 17 says. Since the Holy Spirit lives in us, in our lives, so our lives should show the signs that he lives in us and is actively at work in our lives. So I think there are so many things that we can fake in these days in our lives, but you will never fake the existence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because sometimes the religion and the church things have really made us to, to look like we are okay. Maybe if I can just wear a uniform and go to church, I will look like every other Christians. And if maybe I can tithe, if I can attend church every Sunday, maybe that means. So that is why these people, when they, when the crowds, when John was preaching about Jesus that was coming, and also he was preaching about repentance. And people, they get to this point when they came to join and asked this question. What then shall we do? And when I was just looking at this question is that you will never ask this question if there's nothing that really happened in your heart. Because when you compare that, if you're talking about Jesus that is the Messiah to come and save the world, and you're talking about the baptism of repentance from our sins, and the life, in, even in verse 8, is talking about that, show the fruit that is in line with repentance. And then there are people that are comparing their lives where they are and what John is talking about. They, they, it's got to be changed somewhere. Because you will never meet Jesus and your life remain the same. Because there will always be before and the after. So now these crowds were asking him, then tell us, Mfundis, what shall we do? Question like this, it indicates a desire to participate, to see change happen in your life and willing to learn a new way. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it's not the first time we see this kind of a question 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, now when they heard Peter and the disciple preaching to them, they were caught to their heart. And they asked Peter and other disciples and said, brothers, what shall we do? I think I was just really taken by that. The thing that really led them to ask this question is because they were caught into their hearts. They were caught to their hearts so that they can be able to say something needs to change. If we compare and see the disciples of Jesus and see our lives, if we see the message that is preached and see the way that we're living, something needs to change. And Peter answered them and said, um, accept Jesus and be baptized. So now today we're seeing the same question that's been asked to John. What shall we do? You know, the biblical doctrine about repentance does not focus only on emotions, but on the obedient heart that is willing to take action and to go through the process of being freed from sin or be purified. Um, because sometimes it can easy just to allow our emotions to take over and then think that's, that's what pleases God. You know, if I can jump, if I can just sing and, and do all the things and then go home, then I feel better. It's not about making me feel good. It's about making God's heart feel good about us. So the process of sanctification takes a deliberate action from our part. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, we hear Paul's talking about that, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God depends on faith. Hallelujah. It's not something that we are forming. It's the obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's responding from what God wants from your life. Brothers and sisters, a true repentance involves a complete change of moral and spiritual attitude towards God. This is a demonstration and demonstrated by change in a person's life and the way we live our lives. So, what I'm trying to say here is that when we're talking about the true repentance that we were talking about last week, the true repentance doesn't come in your own effort, in the things that you can do well or not do. It comes from the obedience of the Holy Spirit. If we obey God and willingly to lay down our lives and put everything that we thought it was beneficial for us for the sake of God and for his glory, for the glory of his name. So I want us to look at kind of four points that the Holy Spirit may lead us to when we allow him 
to take control, to take full control of our lives. First one, the Holy Spirit leads us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Our genuine repentance of an inner soul, mind, and spirit comes by the Spirit of God. It will always produce fruits in keeping with repentance, as Luke 8, 3 verse 8 says. The fruits will always reveal the genuineness of repentance in our lives. So one of the signs that you, as a believer, that we have received the Holy Spirit is the presence of the fruits of the Spirit in your life. You know, when you, when you talk, every time when we, as people, we always focusing, when we see the fruits, um, we always think that someone is not doing enough. Because we're thinking that the fruits are coming from effort. There is no even one tree that you can ask and say, I worked very hard for this fruit. But fruits, they come very easy, naturally, because of the seed that was planted. The question that we always ask when someone is showing bad fruits, if you ever, if you were really saved from the beginning, because if you were not really saved from the beginning, it will show by its fruits. But if you really accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior, the fruits will also show themselves in your life. You know, I know that they always say talk is cheap. Talk is very cheap because we can say anything by our minds, but our actions will say more. We can say that we choose Christ every day, all the day long, but our actions don't show it. If we, if we are like that, we haven't done anything at all. In Matthew 7 verse 16 says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And they ask these questions, are grapes gathered from thorns, bushes, or fig trees from, from titles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a deceased tree bear a good fruit. Every tree that does not bear a good fruit, it is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. So I think this explains everything. It is simple. Christianity is about allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your life, and every day we are responding and we are obedient to the Holy Spirit and then if we do that, then our fruits will show. But if our life is all about trying hard and it depending on our works, and it will bring frustration, it will bring um, weight over your shoulders that you, you were not created to carry. But God has created us just the simple thing that you follow me. If we follow Jesus and be obedient to his Holy Spirit, fruits will come by itself.
I want you to notice here that our good works are not fruits. Not the roots of Christian faith as well. That is why we call the work of the Holy Spirit, not our work. We only need to be obedient and just follow him every day of our life. You can have all outside appearance that look very good before people, but inside you have a rotten root. Faith without works is dead. So sometimes when you're talking about works, we think about our works, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Repentance is a result of that gift that comes with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yes, just as you can identify the fruits of the tree, you can identify people with their actions if they're really true repentant. The repentance that John and Jesus that is preaching about here and which the scripture, the word of God knows, is not an emotional state of repentance, but a complete turning away from sin and towards God and our forgiving Savior that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I think first of all in chapter in verse 16 is talking about that walk by the Spirit so that you all fulfill the desire of the flesh. So in other words, it doesn't say do this and that and that. The simple thing is just walk by the Spirit. 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, uh, kindness, sorry, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become concerted, provoking one another, envying one another. So in other words, this is not just something that we need to do, but it's just to walk in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Follow the Spirit in our lives. And then after that, we, all these fruits will show themselves in our lives. The second point I want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit leads us to love what God loves. If you look at the answer that John is giving to these people, they say, what shall we do? Sometimes you can quickly go to say, oh, this is a hard thing to do. So many people who have come to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what can we do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? This young ruler said, he said to him, go and sell everything and give to the poor. And that guy said, no, you can keep your heaven. And then he went away. Because sometimes it seems very hard because these are the things that I need to work hard to do them. And sometimes people, they can just say, hey, I worked very hard for, for all these things that Jesus said, I must submit and give, them to the, to give it to, to him. But when you look at these this guys and, and, and John is giving them this answer, 
in verse, uh, in verse 16. So from verse 11, there's the answer that he gave them. And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. How many of us are doing that? And the tax collector also came to be baptized. And he said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. And the soldiers also said, and asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, but be content with your wages. When I was just looking at these answers from all these questions that uh, these three characters of people are asking, you might say, sure, then, which means it's very hard to follow Jesus then. Because if I follow Jesus, because when we follow Jesus, we only think that we need to live our sins and follow him. But when, he, when we move to another step and now start to ask about the other things that belong to us, or maybe that we put our trust on it, then you're asking too much. So these guys, this way, those were the way that were making them look good than other people. Two clothes or too many, too many clothes. Share with others as well. Um, and, and he's talking about that. We need to be, to be fair in dealings with, with other people. You know, when we have a, a fruit of the spirit that manifesting in your life, you will notice that you do not just act the way that you used to act the way before you, you got saved. But it needs to be a change in your life. Because the change is not just on the outside, but the change is in your heart. So this, this kind of uh, answers that John is giving these people is showing that it's going deep in the heart to, to test if your heart is really changed or not. If your happiness comes from the outside sources, now it needs to come from the inside, from the Spirit of God. So in our salvation story doesn't end in reconciling to God through Jesus, but it moves to love all people. I think we're always happy when we can just talk about, come to church, talk about reconciling to God to Jesus. Through Jesus. But now once we move to love all people, then it's hard. Because if you talk about reconciling God to Jesus, um, reconciling to God through Jesus, it's all about what Jesus has done, what the Holy Spirit has done. But when in loving all people, we have a participation to do. We have a, play, a part to play in our part of sanctification as well. So I want us to take that in and just think about it as Recon uh, Reconciliation Road Church. When we look at this kind of answers that John is giving in the part of loving all people.
And Jesus is saying in John 14, verse 34, Jesus said these words, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also need to love one another. In Matthew 7, verse 21 says, It's not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, that will see the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of the Father. So if we are obedient to God, if we are obedient to the Holy Spirit, God used to say, obey the Holy Spirit, don't do more or don't do less. You know, what, what is doing more is to try and give your works so that people they can be able to see. So, you know, nowadays what we do, we go around in the corners of the street, we collect the, the groceries, we put them, we take pictures, we post them on Facebook, uh, on, on, on our social media, so that people they can see that we're working hard. But Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about responding to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Don't do more and don't do less. So what drives us, what motivates us to do the will of the Father is to understand our new identity in him. Because the Bible is talking about that those who belong to Christ have crucified their sinful nature together with its passion and the appetite of it. So this is the only thing that John was trying to ask these people. Your wrong appetite, the passion of the world, submitted to Jesus. But now, if we just preached the message last week about repentance, just repenting to Jesus, and then you're not talking about, because if you, if, if, this is like the things you need to take out and start a new way. But now explaining a new way, what is expected from the new way, sometimes we can miss the point. Because we can think, if I can do this and don't do that. But the Bible is talking about that you need to respond to the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lived in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then John starts challenging them about social justice, challenging them and is asking them to share what they have with those in need, blessing others. The lay love was the testimony to the world. I always say, if you want to understand about a human being, you must understand Genesis, how God created Adam and Eve and what was his will. Because if you, when we talk about... Um, the creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. The restoration is to restore the original plan of God. If you want to understand the original plan about marriage, you need to understand what was the God's will from the beginning. If you want to understand about church, you need to go to book of Acts chapter 2. It will tell you that the book of Acts chapter 2, what was the church look like from the beginning? They were doing all those things that John is talking about 
today. So it's not something new. It's not something that was like, I think you're asking too much. But those people, they were following the Holy Spirit and do exactly what the Holy Spirit wants. In James 2, verse 14 to verse 16, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of a daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and be filled. But you do not give them things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Hallelujah. This is only about, because when we're talking about the holistic approach, this person was just looking on one side of the person. Okay, we're going to pray for you. But the Bible says, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was, um, uh, I was sick, you didn't visit me. We're praying. So, so most of the time when you're telling people about someone who's sick, they say, we're praying. And then after that, they forget. They don't even pray sometimes. But that means that we need to stand up from our um, couches and TVs and go and visit that person. We, that means that when, we, when someone is hungry, we need to put things together so that we can make sure that as we, because if you love someone as you love yourself, it means if I want to be full in my stomach, I want also somebody else to, to be the same. So that's what we call family of God. People that are responding to the things of God. So what is your lifestyle today? What is your way of living say about your faith? Do you store up things for yourself? The treasures of the world, like that guy who planted everything and created more pens and store up everything and say, now my soul eats and marry. But God, Jesus said to him, foolish man. Or do you share what you have with others, especially those who are poor and on the margins of the society? You know, many of the Jews began to think that the way this guy is talking, he must be Messiah. I am definitely sure he's Messiah. Because you need to remember that in that time, there's been like 400 years since they ever have a prophet or someone preaching about God among them. Since of, it was 400 years since they have received a message from God. Now comes John preaching to them about repentance, about the change of life, about the new way that they need to live. But John quickly is telling them that, no, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. But there is one who's coming more powerful than I. So I want us to move to the point number three to explain that little more. That the Holy Spirit empowers us for the work of ministry. In John 16, when John is talking about these words, he says, I baptize you in water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and fire. I was, my eyes were really caught in this words when John is talking about the steps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Notice how much great is Christ. John says concerning Christ, I can't even touch the straps of his shoes. I want us to let the weight of this circle in in our hearts a little bit. When Joy says these words, because untying the sandals was the, a job that was reserved for slaves. It was for someone that people they were doing to people that were superior than them, or maybe in these days you can call them bosses. But John says that Christ is so great that I'm not even worthy to do that job of the slave. What does this say about our pride today? What does it say about our esteem? What does it say about our arrogance in terms of obeying Jesus and the Holy Spirit? We need to get this very same attitude that John had in his mind and heart. If Jesus was looking at John and says he was the greatest person who was ever born of a woman, but John says, I am nothing and inferior that I was not even worthy to untie his shoes. Then what should our attitude be like towards him? We need to stop thinking about ourselves as someone who is greater than others or someone that is so important or someone that is deserving everything than others or someone that is valuable in the world and see ourselves as the servants of God and see ourselves as the one when the Holy Spirit says to us we are ready to say yes in everything. There's a song that used to say, I will say yes, Lord, yes. So if we don't say yes to the Lord, we are not obedient to him. So now John is talking about that Jesus that I'm talking about, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire rather than water. So why the Holy, why the, the Holy Spirit is so important that John We'll need to talk about like this today. Now, there are three things in the New Testament that really explain about the importance of the New Testament. I want to touch them quickly before we land to our last point. First of all, is that the Spirit is seen in the gospel as the one who superintends the birth of Jesus. As we started from the book of Luke, we have seen the power of the Holy Spirit working in, in, in introducing Jesus in our lives, who is the source of strength in Jesus' life and his ministry. Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit. So we have to do the same. 
So when we look at those things that when the Holy Spirit was the, was the source of Jesus' birth and ministry, um, he, he also wants to be the same for us as well. That is why he's a source of salvation. He's also a source of the way, um, he's a director, he's the one who's leading our life that we worthy to, to obey him as well. Because the Bible says no one can say Lord Jesus or Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he is the one who leads us to understand and obey God's will. He gives us power for the, con uh, for the control of our sinful nature in our lives. Our relationship with God is not through the law, but our relationship with God is through the Spirit of God. As we live as we respond to his prompting, the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he worked a transformation of our character. So we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. As we quoted in Galatians chapter 5, talking about that walk by the Spirit so that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The deadly, he is the one promised to Jesus' followers spoken of as the source of our power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, don't do anything. Go and wait in Jerusalem. And he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we see in Acts, the impact of the Holy Spirit in their lives, who works through men, the inner power is often repeated as the history of the early church unfolds. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers the individuals for the ministry. He gives each believer a special capacity to contribute to the lives of others. We're not just, sometimes we can think like they are special people. They are not special people in the church. They are obedient people only. People who are always says yes to the Lord. But they are also people who are always holding back and said, not me. That leads me to the last point. The Holy Spirit seals us for our eternity. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12 to 16. I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breast, carried in her arms and held on her lap. And I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts a child. When you see these things, you, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. And everything you will see the Lord's hand of a blessing on his servants and his anger against his enemies. See, the Lord is coming with fire and his swift chariots roar like a whirlwind and he will bring punishment to the fury of, of his anger and the flaming fire of his hot rebuke. The Lord will punish the world by fire and his, his sword. 
and he will judge the earth, and many will be killed by him. You know, when I was just looking at uh, Luke chapter 3 verse 9, it's talking about that even now the eggs is ready to strike the roots of, of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruits, he will cut down and thrown into the fire. And verse 17 says, and he, um, with, with the picture, is continuing with the picture of the final judgment. He says, his final uh, winnowing fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into, the, into his pen. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You know, I kept on asking myself, what does it mean? Because when we see that Jesus is coming to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. But I thought, at first, I thought, it's talking about that you'll speak in tongues and you'll roll on the floor when you talking about the fire. But now when I was just looking at more deeply and looking at verse 9 and verse 17, I was just thinking that this is why the preaching is so important. That the Holy Spirit is at work in us so that we can repent from our sins. So that we can be obedient to him because one day he wants to reward you. He wants to reward you with something that you haven't done, but he has done it for you so that he can reward you. But at the end of the day, the choice is yours. You can still refuse to receive it. So in the next verse, he was talking about the Herod, who, who took Herodias, um, the, the wife of his brother, and uh, decided to, um, to take him as his wife. And John was trying to challenge this guy, but this guy refused to repent. He said, no. Instead, he ended up killing John for preaching the good news to him about Jesus. But he wanted to do his way. I was just thinking, like, what will happen to people like Herod in our lives today? When we share the good news with you, and then we say, no, this is my life. You're not going to tell me how, how to live it. I don't care what the Holy Spirit says. I will live as I please. But I was just thinking that, but at the end of the day, we are not the judge. Jesus is the judge. He is not only the Savior, but he is also a judge. He, will, he is coming very soon to reward us according to what we have done. Is either good or bad. In closing, I want to close with this. In Isaiah 1 verse 18, it says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. But then there's a key. But if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If we are willing to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. If you are want to say, Jesus, I want to be obedient to your Holy Spirit. Whatever you touching me and say, I am willing to respond. Because the Bible says, when we hear his word, we mustn't hide in our hearts. But there's another catch. Is that there are people who are willing but the verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel against the Holy Spirit, 
you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You must choose today if you want to be immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit, or you can be either immersed into the fire with God's wrath and judgment at the end of the day. But I want to tell you today that you still have a chance because Holy Spirit is here. It is through his conviction that he's speaking to you like this today so that you can willingly follow Jesus and be obedient to him. So I like the way these guys responded when they hear the gospel. They say, we are willing to change. What shall we do? What shall we do? This is a very good question that Holy Spirit is putting in your heart today. But obey the Holy Spirit. Don't do more. Don't do less. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We look at the Trinity of Heaven that keeps working together in our lives. When God had a plan for us and Jesus came and died for us and the Holy Spirit is at work to convict us to, 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 to see our sins and repent and come to you and be obedient to say every day of our lives, we want to do the will of the Father. Lord God, and we thank you that you want to reward us for the things that you have provided for us and the things that we have, speaking to, uh, we have spoken to us to respond to us. Lord God, we say, Lord Jesus, here we are as your church, as your people. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.